CPI, PPI, and pins and needles. Welcome. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We've got a lot going on this hour. We are glad you're here. We're going to talk about the great wealth transfer. That's baby boomers to younger people or maybe different sources. But decisions to be made, there are proper ways to do that. We're going to talk about that. Toward the end of the show, financial and retirement planning for those in the medical field. You have unique opportunities. We're going to talk about that and a whole lot more. I'm Danny Clayton, joined in the studio by Dr. Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome to the show. It's great to be here. Let's go back to last weekend. The situation in Israel and the Gaza Strip, Mm. utterly horrible. Big impact. I thought, just assuming that the markets get nervous, that Monday we were going to see a real decline, and we did not. Why was that? You know, I think that's interesting. When you look at the history of conflict, uh, it really depends on the details. I think that one of the key things is that after Hamas attacked Israel, that the big question was, how long will it last? And will other countries get drawn in as well? Uh, One of the big unknowns was as far as Iran's role. And just historically, um, if Iran gets involved in something, they threaten to close the Straits of Hormuz, which is a major choke point for the shipment of oil. And so one of the spillovers to the rest of the world and to the markets is oftentimes through the oil price. Now, obviously, there's the fear factor at work as well. Uh, And we did see within the markets kind of this um, knee-jerk response that seemed justified. People started buying more U.S. government bonds, this flight to safety. The dollar strengthened. Gold went up. Oil prices increased a little bit. And like defense stocks. Uh, so people that maybe you know provide munitions and things like that, their stocks did well. The broader market seemed to shake it off mainly because the big question is, I oftentimes look at it and I'm like, what does this mean to the bottom line of Apple? Right. Uh, Does this conflict, will it affect corporate profitability? And that's one lens that you can use to kind of look at why did the market do what it did? And I think the big reason is that right now it seems like it is relatively contained and we do have to see how long it'll last. We still don't really know if other nations will get involved. I mean, depends on what Iran will do. More shoes could drop. Yes, that is correct. And so it increases the risks. I think about things in terms of kind of what's a base case scenario, What's a bear case scenario and what's a bull case scenario? Kind of thinking about it through that those three avenues. And the bear case gets a little bit worse as far as now that you have conflict, if it does spread. Uh, but the base case, I don't think we've really deviated from that base case scenario yet, which is one of we had an earnings recession over the last three quarters. U.S. economy had a great third quarter in terms of growth, showing some signs of fatigue. Uh, And so a lot of sort of we haven't seen enough yet to move us off of that base case scenario. Speaking of fatigue, anybody tired of hearing about the CPI, Consumer (laughs) Price Index? That number came in. We've been watching this for a couple of years now as it's ticked up. And it came in a little hotter than expected. It did. And, you know, it reminds me of when uh, Alan Greenspan uh, talked about setting an inflation target. He said he wanted inflation to be low enough that people didn't really think about it. And so nobody really cared about CPI. Now it's in headlines all over the place. It came in a little bit hotter than what people were expecting. But when I dig into some of the details, most of the increase was driven by energy prices. And we all know that energy prices have gone up. And then 
and also this fictitious thing that the government measures called owner's equivalence rent. It's this hypothetical about if you own your home, how much would you charge yourself to live there? And they try to kind of figure that out from rental rates and things like that that they can actually observe. But it really, that those were the biggest drivers. And so even though the headline was very hot, I thought that the details were not. The other PI would be the PPI, the producer price index, basically what it costs to produce goods for sale. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. yeah. So the producer price index uh, is measured by from suppliers. That came in a little hot as well. Year on year, it was only up 2.2%. So a lot of progress has been made there. So hopefully there's not a lot of inflation in the pipeline coming. But if it costs more to produce something, prices are raised? It can. Another thing that can happen is profit margins are crimped. Mm. And that's the big variable here is do they pass through that inflation to the final consumer? Or is it the case that the producer prices go up without consumer prices going up, meaning you've got a little bit of headwind as we're going into earnings season here? And at this point, our heads swivel toward the Fed. What do you think? Yeah, I think that they're on hold. They've been talking about how this increase in yields that we've seen, that you're actually going to, it's, the market is doing a lot of work for the Fed. They might not need to hike rates. We got the minutes from the last meeting. It said most of the debate was around how long they should hold rates where they are, as opposed to whether or not they should do one more. Dr. Brian Jacobson is chief economist at Annex Wealth Management. We're going to take a break. We're going to be back. We're going to talk a little bit about earnings because earnings season is starting. That is our Week in Review, always available as a podcast and delivered Sundays in our Axiom newsletter. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show for Saturday, October 14th. We're going to be right back on 620 WTMJ. Back in Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. A couple things you can do on the weekend. Axiom, it's a free weekly newsletter, comes out on Sundays. Don't have to be a client. You can sign up for that. Social media, we're there. LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, a great YouTube channel. All Annex Wealth Management videos. We've done them all. Highly searchable. You want to know about RMDs. You want to know about NUA, Roth conversions. It's there. There's over 1,500 videos. Graphonomics on AnnexWealth.com. That's three graphs that'll help you make sense of the economy. Our SWAT podcast comes to you Monday mornings from the Annex Wealth Management Investment Team. In fact, we're going to start publishing it a couple hours earlier. So, and it's a quick listen for your drive in. You know, it's under 20 minutes. It's pretty in depth, but we've got a lot of people that would like that. And so that's what that SWAT podcast is for this show available on demand at the top of the hour on Spotify. I'm Danny Clayton, Dr. Brian Jacobson, our chief economist. Earnings season is here. Yay, right? Yes. Good. Uh, Fun. You know, it's a really exciting time. So as an economist, uh, I love the economic data, but this is also a very happy time of the quarter uh, because earnings season has kicked off. So from an investment perspective, there's there's a buzz in the air. You know, you can feel it when I'm t- walking around talking to the people on the investment committee and the great staff that we have here that focuses on our clients' portfolios. So financial firms report first, typically, right? Does that tell us anything? Typically, uh, I always measure the start of earnings season with when the big banks report their earnings. And so we had J.P. Morgan, Citi, and Wells Fargo reporting. They're the early reporters, and then that kind of sets off when you get the rest of the S&P 500, so the other, you know, I guess that would be 497 companies beginning to report. So they always kind of kick it off. And I like listening to what they have to say 
not necessarily as far as trying to figure out what the rest of earnings season will be like, but more about what's going on with the economy, right? Because they really do have their finger on the pulse of the consumer and smaller businesses. And it was really interesting listening to the earnings reports come out on Friday. Uh, there are a couple of pleasant surprises. One was that the portfolios of these banks, so the loans that they've made, it's actually somewhat higher quality than what a lot of people were originally expecting. So they've had fewer what are called charge-offs. So you know, if a loan goes bad, they have to write that off. They also, very important, had lower loan loss provisions. So they have to project out as to what's going to happen with the economy and their portfolio of loans and what our default's going to look like. And those were actually better, so lower, than what was expected. So maybe they're delusional. And so they're misjudging what the future will look like. But you know, they, they're pretty smart people. And so I take it as a signal from that, that the economy is still pretty resilient, they're expecting a slowdown, there are challenges ahead, but these are not insurmountable challenges. How about retailers? When do they start to arrive? And I would think that that's a fairly important. Oh, yeah, retailers, that's a lot of fun. Uh, we've already actually had Costco report. Uh, so even though that does, it's not part of that whole window of when you get the uh, the banks reporting and the rest of the S&P 500, they're, they're a bit of an outlier as to when they do. I love listening to Costco, uh, mainly because I really like their hot dogs and their pizza, <laughs> you know, so it brings back those memories. But they were saying about the trade down from consumers, you know, as far as the, the spend has slowed. We will get more retailers as the weeks go on. So next week, we'll get a few smaller retailers, but the bigger ones are basically in a couple weeks. Um, I always like to listen to what's going on with Walmart, Target, because, you know, they're, they're the bigger ones. And then, of course, Amazon, when they finally do report, just being that massive presence with online retailing. But that's not for a while yet. And there's many different parts of Amazon, too. They got web services, or is that part of the, Yeah. Do, do, when it, they report, does that in, so include it? Yeah, when they report, they report, uh, they, and they break it out by division. A lot of people have been focused on Amazon web services as far as the growth engine for the firm, figuring that, you know, they've already kind of saturated everything as far as on the retailing side, margins are already pretty slim there, and that Amazon web services is more the growth part, and that's what more people are going to be focused on. Dr. Brian Jacobson is our chief economist. We've got him for the rest of the hour, and I hope we have you as well. It is called the Great Wealth Transfer, boomers set to pass along wealth to the next generation. What's the best and most efficient way to do that? That's next on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 620 WTMJ. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? You probably didn't notice, but one of the greatest transfers of generational wealth is taking place. Who gets credit? Baby boomers. That's right. Where are all those okay boomer jokes right now? Brandon Lehman, among other things, is director of Annex Private Client. Welcome back, Brandon. Danny. One of the greatest transfers of generational wealth is taking place. How much? If you look at it kind of from a whole perspective, there are estimates that it's $53 trillion is currently passing on to the next generation. But another stat, and this stat I heard almost 15 years ago, but I think it really is coming to fruition now, is that there are 10,000 people retiring every day. Oh. It is a substantial amount of people moving assets to the next generation, retiring and just a lot of change. It is a staggering amount, and it's a whole lot more than just signing a couple of pieces of paper. And where we sit, it would involve all of Annex Wealth Management, right? Financial planning, tax planning, estate planning, all that. It takes an entire team to really work through all of these transitions. 
So when you look at it, there's traditional assets, right? Your IRAs, your 401ks, your brokerage accounts, but then there's assets like real estate, there's cars. When you get to the high net worth side, what you start to see is there's quite a bit of these assets, specifically real estate um, is an area where you need to do some planning. And that's, again, where the annex teams come in place. When you look at the financial planning team, where do these sit? You take the estate planning team. They're going to look at the financial planning team said, this is what it is. The estate planning team is going to say, okay, how is it titled? And then the two of them are going to get together with this tax team and say, is there a tax liability after death? How do we handle this? Where does this even start? Somebody walks in the door and they've got these assets. They've got these homes. They've got this. Real, they've got all this. And they want to start to plan to hand it down. Do we start with estate planning? No, I I, the best way that we start with that is we gather all the data. So it gets to be, I don't want to call it necessarily labor intensive, but that first meeting is let's get it all. And for the most part, these folks have a lot of it already in order, whether it's in an Excel spreadsheet or in a PFS, a personal financial statement, it already exists. And our job is to take that data. We extrapolate kind of some of the other things that need to be done on it, like valuations based off of maybe what Zillow or Redfin might say. We're going to put that into our software and then it's going to give us a real idea of where you sit. Now, is it perfect? the first time? No. But that's what the multiple meetings mean when you bring in these other teams. So I guess if you say who starts, the financial planning team yeah. starts it. From there, it gets passed on to really the wealth strategist and the wealth manager to sit back and say, okay, who do we pull in next? What is the biggest pain point that we see? How do we work through this? Because you don't know when it's going to pass. So I, I don't want to be morbid, but you don't know. Yeah. And unfortunately, we've had a situation where we started the planning and the time of passing happened a lot sooner than we expected. So it's getting on top of it right away, and the sooner the better. Now, the other aspect to this that is incredibly important is laws change all the time. For instance, we were working with one of our high net worth clients. We had had this discussion of their estate plan, and they kept pushing off saying, no, it's fine. We just did it. We just did it. Well, just did it to them was almost eight years ago. We've had a lot of changes in eight years. So it was, please give us the documents. We're going to go through it, and we're going to look at all this and see how to most efficiently work through the current tax laws, because it could change again. Brandon Lehman, director of Annex Private Client. We're talking about the transfer of wealth from boomers to heirs. $53 trillion is one of the figures that we heard. Tax planning squad, they're going to be fully engaged. Oh, yeah. When you look at the tax planning side of it, there's two aspects, right? There's the tax now planning side of it. Okay, so what does it look like now? How are we going to be tax efficient now? But then there's the other side of it. After you pass, obviously, there's some things that occur. If it's passed on through a trust, right, all of a sudden now you have a step up up in basis, depending on the trust. If it's gifted in lifetime, you don't have that step up in basis, but now the assets with the kids, it's outside of your estate. Maybe you've pushed yourself below the estate tax exemption. You've used up some of that exemption, which under current laws is going to change here, projected to change in 2026. So they talk, well, it's a lot of money right now. It doesn't impact most people. Well, it will. It's basically from what we've seen going to potentially be cut in half from almost 25 million to 12. Now, yes, that still sounds like a lot, but when when you throw in property, because most people just think they're investments, you start throwing in all the properties, you start throwing in, depending on if it's, especially if it's collector cars, whole different ballgame. I know somebody with a lot of those and he would need a plan for that. Yes. Right. It's incredibly important. Yeah. Um, 
You know, Brandon, one of the things that we did not mention, but I know we do definitely employ is our ears, right? We're going to be sitting down with the clients because we're not going to say, okay, here's what you're going to do. We're really going to ask, what is it that you want to do? It's all about legacy planning. What do you want your legacy to be? And how can we most efficiently and effectively help you achieve that legacy and give as little as possible to Uncle Sam? doesn't necessarily have to be a legacy for your kids. Some people don't want that, but maybe it's a legacy for charity. Maybe it's a legacy for an organization. Our job is to help you coordinate and understand what that legacy should be and then build a plan around it as efficiently and effectively as possible. Are you planning correctly? Is everything sewn up tightly to eliminate those questions and avoid conflicts? Brandon Lehman, Director of Annex Private Client. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Danny. Quick reminder, we got plenty of branches to meet with you. Going to make it convenient. We're in Elm Grove, Lake Country, Mequon, Appleton, downtown Milwaukee, right inside the Fister, Madison, Naples, Florida, Libertyville, Illinois, as close as your computer at AnnexWealth.com. Time for news. Let's go to the WTMJ Breaking News Center. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? The relationship between Annex and our clients is unique. Our goal is to help them reach and maintain the kind of retirement they desire. And we do that through our initial phase of portfolio review, meetings to get on the same page, ongoing communication. When it comes to investment, retirement, tax planning, and estate planning, it is logical. It is planned. But... What happens when the unexpected happens? I can tell you this, we do not wait until the next scheduled meeting. Our teams spring into action when a client calls. We understand the unexpected is just as real as the expected. Joining me, Dan Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, CFP and a CDFA, Certified Divorce Financial Analyst, talk about the unexpected. Welcome back, Deanne. Hi, Danny. As a matter of fact, you actually had some search and rescue in your background too, didn't you? <laughs> I, I did. Yes, That's you did. definitely you, dealing with the unexpected. You're the perfect person for this. When the unexpected hits for women, it can be downright awful. Yes, and of course there are unexpected happy events, and those often require pre-planning as well. But here we're talking about the events we're fearful of, disability, illness, breakups, even the passing of a loved one or ourselves, and the financial consequences that then follow. These events can trigger so much pinch-hitting and decision-making. And if that planning isn't done before the events hit, when we combine all the financial decisions we need to make after the events happen with emotion going on in us, well, Danny, we know that can lead to poor choices being made quickly after the fact. In fact, there is some planning that just can't even be done after a hardship occurs. This is where if we can pre-plan, it makes it easier on ourselves and our loved ones later on. With a couple, right or wrong, it's often the husband is taking a bigger role in financial matters often they kind of made it their thing to have high financial awareness. Is that an issue? Yeah. I, you know, often we see partners split financial duties in a household. One partner might take care of the day-to-day budgeting and spending, and the other might track and control the investments. And to your point, in the older generations especially, so greatest generation baby boomers, yes, it's often the man who deals with the investments. This can then lead the women, because we statistically outlive our male companions, sorry, Danny, it can leave us scrambling to get arms around and investment pieces, and those might be all over the place. And sometimes they're unaware of what's out there at all. I worked with one case where this happened twice to this poor family. A couple came in, the woman with her husband, her husband had been diagnosed with advancing dementia. She was trying to figure out where he had all the pieces in the financial puzzle. And she was in the process of figuring this all out when she actually had an aneurysm and passed, Mm. leaving the family with no idea where anything 
was. You know, in, in some cases, I've had people where the gentleman had dementia and he was actually hiding the investment statements under his pillow to mm. keep them safe. But, you know, when he passed again, she had no idea. When the unexpected hits, women can suddenly find themselves in a series of transitions. And decisions. And here's where we advise that they have someone whom they can trust, who can be that second set of eyes and ears for them and with them. You know, when we're grieving in particular, and again, this happens not just with death, divorce, and disability. We grieve when we became an empty nester, some people do, or losing your job or having to move away from your support base. We hear and see things differently during that. You know, my other certification is actually in behavioral finance, and this really fits in with all this because I'll tell you what, as advisors, we understand this. We encourage people to bring in their support system. We encourage a lot of communication during these transitions. And we also encourage you to take time with some big decisions that don't have to be made immediately, like a hurried house sale, for example. Some things need to be made quickly. Some things should be thought out. And we're going to point out that not everybody is married. We get that. And unexpected events don't always involve death. Well, that's correct. So for many single people I work with, working with through their estate plan and choosing the power of attorney for health care and finances, that can be a very daunting and difficult decision. Now, there are, might be aware or not that they need to do it, especially if they want to move into an age-in-place facility, you know, where they move into an independent apartment someplace where if they need assistance later on, they don't have to move. They can get that assisted living. Those places often require those powers of attorney in place. You know, however, when you're single with no kids, choosing those people can be a tough decision. This is, again, why we have educational attorneys on staff to help our clients work through the thought process. Great divorce, also an area, yep, Danny, that's divorce over the age of 50. It's gaining momentum, unfortunately, statistically. Many of the divorce cases I see now are older people. This is an entirely different transition. Why we offer consultations on the process and to look at the financial plan after the divorce. People in all cases just want to know, will I be okay and how will I not be a burden on my kids? We don't want people scrambling. That's the last thing a spouse would want. We've got a workshop coming up specifically designed to help this. Yeah, we're offering a women's guide to preparing for the unexpected at our Elm Grove headquarters on Thursday, October the 19th at 6 p.m. There's actually an interactive workbook included as well as active discussions around next steps in preparing for events that are out of our control and what we can do now to be as financially prepared as possible. This workshop is free, but it will fit up. So please head to our website and register under the events tab. And if you know a woman in your life who's going through a hard transition, invite her to attend. Our Women and Wealth group is about women helping women and learning from each other. So please do invite those whom you care about and encourage them to be prepared. Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning Development, CFP, CDFA. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Up next, is investment and retirement planning different if you're in the medical profession? Quick break, we're going to talk about it. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 620 WTMJ. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? You know, working in the medical field is a noble profession. It is not easy. It takes years of toil and grueling hours, but it's a calling. And with it comes well-earned and healthy compensation. But while building a career in the profession, it's easy to forget good, solid financial planning principles, if there's even a plan at all. 
That's what we're going to talk about with Eric Strom, Financial Planning Manager and CFP at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back, Eric. Hello, Danny. Medical professionals have unique financial planning needs. They've got options for sure, but I guess figuring out what is right and what might work best for them is a bit of a mystery? A little bit, because... People who work in the healthcare industry have unique options available to them. For example, for employees, a lot of times there are retirement plan options beyond the typical 401k you would see at a private company. Many healthcare workers might have access to 403b plans or 457 plans or health savings accounts, sometimes even pension style plans like a money purchase plan or cash balance plan. So I just listed a lot of different possible retirement plans, but just understand if you're working in that setting, there may be unique options. You want to understand them and make sure you're leveraging them. Executives may have additional options even beyond that. And then finally, many physicians are actually business owners. They might have partnerships. They might have sole proprietorship. So when you're a business owner, you have the world at your fingertips with many different tax strategies and retirement plan strategies available. So all that to say, there's many options. You want to understand what is available to you and how to best leverage those. And again, they're busy doing their practice. They're busy doing medicine. So they've got to think about this on the side. Well, that's why we believe in financial planners, right? Because we specialize in this. Proper financial and retirement planning isn't complete without efficient tax planning. How can higher income earners and higher net worth households in the medical field utilize advanced tax planning strategies? Again, that's what we do for our clients. For starters, if you are an employee, you absolutely want to understand and leverage all of those employee benefits that we just talked about a moment ago. There are also certain advanced strategies with IRAs that can be done for those higher income earners. And then again, for those business owners, there's entity selection, there's advanced retirement plan selection that may go way beyond just a typical 401k. You want to understand those tax strategies that might be important to you, especially if you're still in that you know wealth building mode, there are things you can really do that might make a huge impact over time. Eric Strom is financial planning manager and a CFP at Annex Wealth Management. We're talking about financial and retirement planning for medical professionals. And after many, many years in school, healthcare professionals have student debt that can affect cash flow credit score, ability to save and invest. They need to get at managing their student debt as well. Yeah. Many healthcare workers may have student debt. So you want to evaluate what are your repayment options? There are different plans out there. There's income-driven repayment plans. You want to understand if there are forgiveness programs or any types of plans that are available to you with that. But beyond that, in general, you want to prioritize high interest rate debt. The way I think about that is really 6%. If you are paying interest higher than 6%, that would be in general kind of considered a little bit of a higher rate. And also though, think about lifestyle creep and taking Mm. on new debt because many people who are in the healthcare industry, you know, you sometimes can have that lifestyle creep where you start to buy a little bit more expensive cars, more expensive stuff for the house. And then uh, you oftentimes see especially rapid increases in lifestyle, you really want to balance that with a little bit of discipline so that your finances can stay very healthy over time. I think the official medical term is doc-itis, right? Right. Well, and you know what, Danny, it's not always their fault because doctors and other healthcare workers are actually targeted by marketing. They are aggressively targeted by financial products, lifestyle products. So, you know, you've got that headwind to face. 
protecting themselves financially is extremely important. And that opens the door to a host of insurance products and coverage. Kind of, we're getting at that a little bit. Where do they start to put what's needed in place? Is there a hierarchy? Yes. You know, we're a fee-only financial planning firm. So, of course, we don't sell any of these insurance products. However, we frequently recommend them because, especially for healthcare workers, you do want to obtain that if you have specialty-specific insurance needs or liability coverage that you really have to have, of course, you must get that. Now, Disability insurance is very common, especially if it's specific to your occupation. Let's say you're a surgeon. Um, You may get special disability insurance specifically for surgeons. That's important. Now, there is oftentimes more expensive life insurance that will be marketed to healthcare workers. You know, be a little bit careful with that because most doctors and healthcare workers, term life insurance, which is much more affordable, is typically sufficient. So look out for that. But having the right disability, life insurance, liability insurance, and on beyond that is very important and really actually is fundamental and should be handled before you even think about investing. Medical profession is one that comes with a lot of responsibility, is to have a solid plan for financial and retirement planning. Annex can help. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Eric Strom, Financial Planning Manager, CFP at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Thanks, Danny. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Going to be right back on 620 WTMJ. Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Looking back over the past hour, really good example of what we do, but it's just a glimpse. If we can help, head to the website, AnnexWealth.com. We were talking earlier about the, the great boomer wealth transfer, things like financial and retirement planning for those in the medical field. But again, your situation is unique. If we can help, hit up that website and just, you know what, start the conversation with Annex Wealth Management. I'm Danny Clayton, Brian Jacobson, our chief economist still in the studio. Brian, most of our high net worth investors have individual bonds. I have heard you ask the question, the bond market or a market of bonds? We like to brag about our stock portfolios. Rarely do bonds get the same treatment. However, the current situation might be causing people to actually talk about bonds, but they're complaining about the bonds, (laughs) right? Let's dig in. Put your professor hat on. Can you start by giving us a brief overview of what the bond market is and why it's important? Sure. So the bond market is actually quite large, but a lot of people don't pay attention to to it because when you turn on CNBC, Fox Business News, Bloomberg, you know, they always talk about the stock market. So you'll hear about like the Dow Jones Industrial Average, the S&P 500, the NASDAQ. That's for equity, right? So that's like your ownership interest in those businesses that underlie those indices. But the bond market is actually huge. Uh, and it is how companies raise debt or it's how governments raise debt. So bond market really refers to sometimes either the debt market or the fixed income market. That's another term that's oftentimes used. And it's called fixed income because the bonds themselves, they're structured where you might get interest payments. Uh, There are also these things called zero coupon bonds. So they don't pay interest, but you actually get more money. You get this par amount at maturity. So it's fixed in terms of all of the specifications, how long the money is tied up for, uh, what that face value or the payoff amount at the end is, and what that coupon or those periodic interest payments are while you own that bond. And it's not really simple because there's a lot of different types of bonds. Oh gosh, yes. Uh, there are uh, you know more bonds than there are types of stocks, really. And that's one of the reasons why the bond market is sometimes a little uh, opaque 
to a lot of people where it uh, can be a little confusing because the terms and the conditions can all very much differ. Uh, the biggest categories we have fixed income uh, for governments, so treasury bills, notes and bonds, but then you also have corporates. So corporations issue bonds as well. Those are the biggest ones, but you also have like municipal bonds as well. So state and local governments issuing bonds. And you also have foreign bonds, foreign governments and entities issuing bonds. When people talk about portfolio construction of 60, 40, the 40 is the bond portion, right? Yes. Oftentimes it is that 40%. Although if you look at like the total world of debt out there, uh, arguably it could be closer to 50. Okay. Bond market is not like the stock market. There's, there, there are big differences. Yes, they are. So when you watch on CNBC, the floor of the exchange, the New York Stock Exchange, stocks are traded that way. That's not how bonds trade. Bonds are what's called an over-the-counter market, where if you want to buy or sell a bond, you sometimes have to call a dealer. So for example, if you wanted to buy a bond, and sometimes you can do this through your broker or you work with us and we can do it for you, you have to make some phone calls or you have to log into certain systems and get bids for these things, meaning that if you want to buy something, you actually have to kind of contact somebody who already has it in their inventory. Well, we've got the mechanisms in place. This is what we do for our clients. It is. Yeah. It is. Absolutely. Uh, it is not for the faint of heart. It takes a lot of hard work to make this system work. How does it work for high net worth clients and annex private client? You know, one of the nice things for our clients, especially in private client, is that we try to build the bond portfolio, individual bonds, where we have the uh, option in order to actually hold those to maturity. So if you look at the ups and downs in the stock market and you look at the ups and downs in like interest rates, okay, the market value of the bonds can fluctuate quite a bit. But what we try to do is identify bonds that we like and want to hold to maturity so you can ride through that volatility and get that known amount at the end, provided the issuer doesn't default on the debt. Back to that phrase, market of bonds versus bond market. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so the market of bonds is the idea that if you actually just buy a bunch of bonds, buy an index through an ETF or a mutual fund, that's one way to do it. But the whole idea about it's not a bond market, it's a market of bonds, is that you can buy these individual bonds and hold them. And that way you can have the option to maybe ride through some of the volatility. And we've seen quite a bit of volatility these days. Coming up to the end of the show real quick next week kind of a, a good week for data it starts to flow in it does you know next week we're really looking at say retail sales industrial production and then also the feds beige book that's coming out that's always exciting it's more exciting than the color beige itself because that's going to give us some guidance about qualitative information about what the fed might be thinking about when they meet november 1st and for an economist, a chief economist at Annex Wealth Management, this is your happy time. It, it really is. Yes, yes. I sit down with a cup of coffee and comb through that report. It's really a joyful experience for me. <laughs> the kind of people working for you, ladies and gentlemen. It is time to investigate what Annex can do for you. We're ready. We're a fee-only fiduciary. Just a couple of minutes. Get that conversation started. Click that Get Started button at AnnexWealth.com. We'll be back here next Saturday at 10 a.m. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 620 WTMJ.